This is Farmer's Inside Track, supported by Food from Zanzi. Inspiration for your business and life. From South Africa's farmers and agripreneurs. How's it, Nzanzi? Welcome to Farmers Inside Track. We unashamedly salute the unsung heroes of agriculture, and we believe in the power of agriculture to create social cohesion. My name is Corvus Lorenz. I'm one of the founders of Food for Nzanzi, and with me is Iva Price, my co-founder. He's the co-founder of South Africa's leading agricultural and lifestyle news platform. How's it, Corvus? It's been an amazing year for the Food for Mzansi team and also with our new baby called Farmers Inside Track. Dawn Numdu, the editor of Food for Mzansi, was just saying the other day that in one year we've written, profiled more than 500 farmers, uh, movers and shakers who are really driving change in agriculture in this country. Um, and Farmers Inside Track is, of course, an initiative to, to upskill uh, many of our, our farmers is in, in the agribusinesses. And today is also the first episode of the second season of our brand new podcast. And we're looking forward to a, a season where we're going to be focusing a bit more on climate change, environmentally friendly and sort of future focused um, farming. We're starting with the perfect guest, we think, for, for this topic. We're going to welcome shortly Dr. Nadia Malan. He's the convener of Isindaba Zogudla. Soweto-based farmers, and he's also a senior lecturer at the Department of Anthropology and Developmental Studies at UJ. Wow, Mom, what did you put on this chicken? Well, I was trying a new recipe using grain-filled chickens. Oh, Mom, this is amazing. You can't go wrong with 100% South African farm-quality chicken. With a range of fresh, frozen and marinated products, make grain-filled chickens your number one choice. Grain-filled chickens from the farms of the Free State. Need we say more? If you want quality, ask for grain-filled chickens at a leading store. Grainfield Chickens, bring home the taste. Visit grainfieldchickens.co.za So on to our guest today. Very welcome to Dr. Nadia Malan, a senior lecturer at the Department of Anthropology and Developmental Studies at UJ, but doing some really interesting work um, that we're very interested in with urban farmers in Soweto. Yes, that's me, you know, I always knew I have a great face for radio, and this is the perfect opportunity. <laughs> Even better face for podcasting, and you don't look <laughs> like a typical Bursian. I imagined you a bit differently, um, Nadia. Uh, you know, we, we're not all who we are, you know, or we think we are, and uh, I think we all have the right to be different, I think. But it's great to be here, and I'm very, very honored. It's kind of interesting, because I first heard about you in the streets of Soweto, which is a very uncommon place to hear about a Nadia Malan that's become a friend of, of one of South Africa's oldest townships and certainly a friend of agriculture. Um, how did you end up there? You know, I mean, Soweto is a, is a great place. And uh, for the kind of work I want to do, it's, it's the center of the universe. You know, I come from development studies. Development studies is a, a kind of an activist discipline. We want to change the world. And, you know, if you can change Soweto, we can change the whole world and no problem will be too much to overcome. Tell us about Izindaba Zokudla. What does it mean and what do you do? I took a long time to make sure the words Izindaba Zokudla is, is correct. And uh, I know a little bit of Isizulu, but not enough. But it, it does mean, you know, Izindaba is the court of the chief or the king. So Izindaba Zokudla is the court where we talk about the food that we eat together. And I kind of chose it carefully because I wanted to capture 
you know, European and American ideas about food policy councils. And I thought that's some nonsense to, to call it that. You know, we have our own languages which are much richer. So I think Isendabas or Kudla is actually the perfect name for the place where we can talk about the food that we eat together. And what do you actually do? So Isendabas or Kudla Farmers Lab is, is actually very well thought through from a, a social theory perspective. Sorry, I'm such a geek. The way the, the lab uh, is put together and the way it runs and the way it attracts stakeholders is actually geared to create what we call communities of practice amongst stakeholders and farmers. And it's these communities of practice that can actually change the food system in the sense of creating new and different kinds of enterprises, creating new and different kinds of relationships between the enterprises and actually then producing food in a different way. Of course, we want to bring in sustainability and ecology, but we also have to have an eye on politics and society, but also on economics. So we're trying to do all of those things together. It's messy, it's crazy, but it works. Okay, so to the farmers who are tuning into this Farmers Inside Track podcast at the moment, thinking, hmm, this kind of sounds interesting, but how is it going to change or better my life? In the lab, we do all kinds of stuff. So, you know, new technologies and new fertilizers, um, new opportunities, computers, everything is introduced there and we humanize it there because we can draw on the university and the profis, and, but we can also match the profis with normal people. So we, we bring things to the ground. And I think that's quite important. So anyone can understand the stuff that we do there. But the other things that we do is also important because we can draw on you know, sophisticated insights from the profis and we can translate it so that normal people could understand it. So, for instance, one of the insights I've had is to understand how much money does a farmer get for his, his or her produce when it gets to the consumer. And once you realize that, then you realize that if you change the retail model or the way the farmer engages with the value chain, the farmer can make a lot more money. And that is the kind of solutions we need. And this is all very much focused on the small-scale urban farmer, am I correct? Or is it um, really relevant? No, it's relevant to the entire spectrum. But we also understand that agriculture is a, a field that is uh, under immense pressure and, and is changing. And a lot of it is pointing towards sustainability. So, for instance, we've had last year, we had a really uh, well-attended workshop on how do we take uh, one large farm and settle multiple families on it and still be economically productive. And that was quite radical. I can't do that. Uh, you know, I'm not a farmer. But we had uh, quite a few landowners who are feeling pressure. They don't want to sell to agribusiness. They rather want to give their farm to their workers. But then what then happens when you give it to your workers? And how can they still continue being productive? So the lab gives us an opportunity to address these crazy things and we can speculate about radical change at very low cost. And it's, <laughs> it so, saves. So it can be very relevant for land reform and oh yes, yeah. settling people in, mm. in with a limited available uh, land and so forth. Yes. I've always thought that the way to get ahead in farming is scale. You know, you need yeah. scale to be. Am I hearing you say that's not maybe the, yeah, the you know, truth? Yeah, you know, you have to think about scale in a different way. So, sure, you know, scale is definitely important because it's a big world out there. But we also need to think about ancillary things, job creation, biodiversity management, water management. 
for all those, the, the future points in a direction of more collaboration amongst farmers, smaller production units, but your scaling has to take place perhaps through the ICT networks and, and computers and cell phones and those kinds of things. It's an undiscovered country, but uh, we're working towards it. Nadia, it sounds to me like you are passionate about changing the face of agriculture, driving change and and some instances even aggressively driving change. What's behind it? Why are you doing it? I was lucky uh, when I was a young man in 98. Got a job at the University of Venda. That's why I got my nickname Mashudu. Mashudu means the fortunate one. So the more I practice, the more they call me Mashudu. No? I did research and I was so fortunate because I was a young man in 1998, 24 years old. Um, and I did research at the Chiconelo Agricultural Project. And it's quite far out there in Venda. And I realized that I was one of the first white guys to actually, you know, go to those places. I had a really good time understanding a homeland development project. And of course it failed. And what happened is the farmers kind of manipulated to fail because it was kind of a form of resistance against apartheid. And I learned a lot about farming, which I think very few people had that opportunity. And, and the idea of the farmer's lab was actually born there. But you know, life took me away. It was only a few years ago when I started working with the Department of Industrial Design in designing technology for farmers that, that the idea of the lab, the farmer's lab became alive again. The farmers uh, in Suez, they put so much pressure on me to start this that I just did. Something that fascinates me about the work that you do is bridging this technological divide between, you kind of think about technology as multi-million rand mechanization mm. kind of Oof. devices. I know. But you guys are actually developing very accessible technology. Yeah. In industrial design and Angus Campbell is still busy with this. It's, it's amazing what you can do. Because in the field, there's a direction of study called intermediate and appropriate technology. So this is technology that is not high tech, not low tech, but is appropriate. And those technologies are often designed through participatory methods. So for instance, you can build in social features in technology, like the one of the products we, we made was a, a food cooler that works with water, no electricity. It was appropriate to hawkers because they could get water anywhere. It could cool their produce and it could enable them to keep it for more than a day. And this can change the fortunes of that small enterprise dramatically. And we realize the power of participation in that thing. That if you bring the people into the technology design process, what comes out at the end is often something that's so radically appropriate. I actually can't believe that companies are not lining up at my door asking me for advice, or some are. With the university students and all of that, you can shorten your R&D cycle so quickly and you, you can create a product that's really, really appropriate. And you can build in stuff like sustainability, etc., etc. The really good example is the Begin beehives that Ivor Brown made, which is a beehive that we wanted to be designed to be manufacturable in the backyard of a shack. And it is. So it was designed so we can industrialize the townships where we always think it's a squatter camp and it's terrible. Da, da, da. No, for us, that's a, a place of manufacture and we can change the world in that way. But why are you interested in, in townships? I mean, that is very uncommon and I can hear your passion and I'm still trying to get a little bit more further. What's behind it? A man yeah. with your experience, with your knowledge can work anywhere else in the world. Why Soweto? Soweto and the townships for me, is the forefront of research and development. From where I come from, I'm not here to go and work for rich people or make them richer or help them to get richer or make myself rich. Now, I've got pension and that's enough. I'm, I'm going to be all right. In my field, to be able to design for that constituency, 
those are the biggest constituency in the world. These are the people on which our future depends because we need to empower the poor globally in order to change this world. So for me, this is fantastic. I can't think of anything better. <laughs> you sound very optimistic, but what irritates you about South African agriculture? Because it's not perfect. Yeah, you know, there's a lot uh, that's not right in the country. We are not focused on production and that's an issue. But I also think that agriculture in South Africa needs to rethink who it needs to serve. And we need to understand that the sociology of the upcoming African farmer is going to be different than the the old sociology of the white farmers, where, where I come from. My, my grandparents were farmers and that is the thing that no one really takes us seriously. That, that is, actually there's this whole gold mine in front of us, but we miss it because we look at the world through the old commercial farming lenses. I like to grow and sell in a township. is actually the forefront of economic development globally because the only way we're going to solve the sustainability crisis i mean food is the biggest impact of all sustainability issues is to create local and sustainable food systems and food markets that are local and that is such a interesting thing and i, and I think for an economist even this would be completely new new theory new theorizing new practices what's it like working with the farmers in the lab you're kind of doing it as a voluntary yeah. exercise and as part of your university, your academic work. Yeah, yeah. Is it rewarding working? Yeah, it's immensely rewarding. I mean, it, it takes a lot of my personal time and it's, you know, there are personal costs. But it's absolutely amazing. I'm also born a teacher and, and I like to teach. So it, it, it's great. And I, I think I suppose I control the whole lab. Feedback is, is significant and the farmers find it worthwhile. They find it valuable. But not only farmers, businesses find it valuable. NGOs find it valuable. We are hosting the University of Ghent from Belgium. Um, and they're sending a large delegation. So sorry, they've never talked to farmers, but they work for farmers. Here I'm offering them 400 farmers. They, they fell off their chairs. The lab is great. You know, there's a system behind the lab that actually also promotes the creation and building of businesses locally. And I actually want to take the lab after Isn't Doubles a Good Lab, maybe take the idea of a lab to the rest of the world. So we've come to that part of the weekly podcast here on Farmers Inside Track, where we empower especially the up and coming farmers with some practical tips, advice that they can use in their lives. And some of the questions we're getting is specifically this divide, mental divide sort of, between people viewing farms as somewhere in the Platteland, but also the reality that there are many opportunities now in, in cities. For those who are unsure whether they should go into urban farming? Go for it, you know. We're even with small pieces of land, and, and if you are really good in cultivating, and, and if you know your biological organic systems, you can actually make a few hundred rand a day quite easily. Often a lot better than the menial jobs that are out there. It's definitely possible. Once you got that base, then you can start building on it, bringing in worms. I mean, everyone thinks worms are just yucky, but... Worm tea sells for, you know, some places, 500 rand a liter. Those worms, they pipi yong, you know, so the <laughs> stuff comes. And if you know what you're doing, you can do a lot with that. The list is endless, you know, uh, mushrooms, fish. I'm um, in med, some really interesting fish farms in Soweto. Small, small, small scale. Don't chase it for money, uh, because if you really want a lot of money, then you do need big land and that kind of thing. But you can make a living. So why do you think urban farming is on the rise, specifically in South Africa at the moment? I would say, you know, sociologically, it's for two reasons. We are urbanized very much and there's poverty and there's opportunity. So it's rising. The other thing we need to know is actually most farms in the world are close to urban centers. 
we only really get our livestock and grains from the far out rural areas. So most of the food we eat now is actually grown in tunnels in urban areas. Agriculture is urban, you know, hanging gardens of Babylon. That's where it comes from. You know, there are a lot of misconceptions about agriculture and urbanization and those things. And once you understand those things, it's, it's actually quite a different picture that you see. I know we have to wrap up, but I have two more questions. Are you also finding that people want to understand where their food comes from? I mean, my own family, for example, suddenly after almost a lifetime, we're starting to question where does the meat come from? Where does the chicken come from? The veggies come come from this farm. Is it just us or is, is there a big no. consciousness happening? Yeah. You know, I think it's also part of the, the largeness that we, we need to start understanding our health and our place in the world as well. You know, the food that we eat affects us directly. I've started buying from an organic farm in Bez Valley and I mean, the quality is just as astronomically better than the, the very, very expensive stuff I buy, you know, from a mom and pop uh, Portuguese store. Those are the drivers and, and it's also about our need to take responsibility for the whole world. One way to do that is to take responsibility for our food. So we have to do that. The world is uh, in, a, in not a good shape. We need to change a lot of things and, and food is perhaps the easiest way to do this. Nadia, you sound like a very serious guy. You called yourself a geek earlier. <laughs> Can I ask you, what do you do for fun? Good question. I'm so glad I've got an answer. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a mountaineer by heart. I'm a member of the Mountain Club of South Africa. I've been, I've been climbing for 20 years. Um, I'm also at the moment uh, training for my third dan in uh, Shotokan Karate. What? Don't have time for all of these things. That's me. I mean, I don't have much time. I hate to say it, but I still have my PlayStation 2 and it's still running. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you for taking the time amidst your hectic schedule to... Join us today in the Farmers Inside Track studio. Hugely inspirational. Thank um, you so much. Thanks for the work that you are doing you so in much. agriculture. We've spoken to so many f of the farmers who mentioned you or you mentioned your work with lots of respect. I know you consider your project a revolutionary project. So I think there's some, some signs that your revolution is getting traction. Thank you so much. <laughs> and the one thing we can assure you is that, yeah, Team Food... And the one thing that we can assure you is that Team Food from Zansi will keep on cheering for you. Until next week, goodbye. Thank you. You've been listening to the Farmers Inside Track podcast, supported by Food from Zansi. For more information, find us on www.farmersinsidetrack.co.za.